empowerment. How have you empowered somebody emotionally in a positive way? Have you helped someone become greater than themselves and believe in something that is good for many people? There are many examples of negative empowerment. You don't have to go far to see that. Turn on your television, stream anything related to news, and you will find quite a bit of negative empowerment. But there's so much positive empowerment out there if we'll choose to see it, if we'll choose to act on it and help others become more emotionally mature, emotionally giving. And that's what my guest today on Dr. D's social network, who is Pamela Lasada, does for a living. Her coaching and emotional empowerment is helping many people understand themselves better and understanding how to go out there and emotionally empower others to be a better version of themselves, a more giving, a kind, more mature, and loving version of themselves. I look forward to you guys listening to this episode on the podcast with Pamela Losada. All right, we're back. It's time recording with Pamela Losado. And uh, Pamela, thanks for being on with me today. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. So uh, we are kind of starting over a little bit from a previous one we did, you know, technology. Sometimes it's crazy. But we were talking about emotional empowerment. And the term really fascinated me because I don't think I've heard that term before. And I would like to us, us to dive back into some of the specific techniques and things that you do to help people with that. Yes. Yeah, so well, first of all, maybe let me uh, share what, what emotional empowerment is with a little, you know, maybe a little um, overview because I think um, a lot of people have not heard of it. So it might be useful. Um, so what emotional empowerment is, is a really kind of the ability to remain aware of who you are, regardless of those negative emotions that arise and also kind of use your negative feelings to effectively navigate your circumstances or maybe challenges, no matter how big or small, while remaining true to yourself. And basically, when we uh, are able to understand uh, our negative emotion from this empowerment perspective or an empowered lens, we are able to really learn that our negative feelings are actually offering us the opportunity to course correct our life, to make it actually easier for us. Um, so there is definitely uh, something about negative feelings, seeing more as our allies when it comes to emotional empowerment, um, because, you know, often we tend to, you know, neglect our negative feelings, or maybe we want to, you know, stuff them down or ignore them. And at the, end, at the end of the day, we do that, we are not really addressing them properly. So those negative feelings are just coming back over and over again. And so when we have a different approach, it is actually more serving us or helping us, you know, we can utilize this tool for so, in so many situations. And, um, you know, going back to your question, the, the main thing to start with this uh, process is really making sure that we are actually um, focus on our feelings more instead of you know, dismissing them instead of just going from one thing to the next, 
um, just being on this go, go, go modality without really acknowledging what's actually going on within us. And, you know, maybe we just say, well, I'm stressed or I'm overwhelmed, but we never really take enough time to really pause and be present and actually define what is actually the feeling or what are the feelings that we are actually uh, dealing with at that moment. And so just starting with building more awareness of what we are actually feeling uh, instead of, you know, dismissing or just, you know, just ignore them (laughs) altogether, right? And just, uh, you know, not wanting to go there and really, you know, pay attention to what's really going on. So we can actually make changes when we are paying attention to what's really going on. So that's kind of, you know, part of a big component and kind mm-hmm. of a good place to start um, because we cannot really make big changes or just changes in general in our, even in just our habits, if we're not really uh, starting with the root cause of why we do things in a certain way that maybe it's not serving us or why, you know, we are not doing the things that are serving us as well. Oh, it makes sense. I would say like for a lot of people there, especially now in the time we're in, I would imagine there's a lot, as a huge need for emotional empowerment and for facing things that you may be going through. I think, you know, for a lot of people have been home for a really long time. They're just getting back out, reopening of businesses, getting back into the swing of going out and doing different activities. But then as we're seeing cases rise more and different things going on in the world, and there's certainly an emotional time. So what are some tips and techniques or things to help people through these very different times we're living in? Yes, as you said, you know, this is a very particular time because, you know, it's, it's a very unique situation where, you know, the whole world is affected by uh, which is, you know, it's rare. And, um, and I think, you know, even though everybody, you know, is facing some sort of ch- challenges, some more than others, but it definitely has affected everybody uh, in some way. And I think it's really important to, um, again, going back to what I said before, to really acknowledge what's, what really the, those feelings are and what are the things that we can do that we, you know, have the ability to change, you know, ourselves and and do things that we are in our, you know, capacity because we cannot really, you know, control what's happening outside of us. And so when things like this, you know, COVID-19 happened um, or maybe other situations as well, um, you know, in general that, you know, have happened in the past or more recently, I think it's important to... Um, really kind of, you know, make sure that we are not just thinking about all the things we cannot do or, you know, trying to control the the circumstances, which we can't, we cannot. And so it's like um, focusing more on what we can actually do. What are the small steps we can actually do to make sure that we feel better despite the situation that's happening? So tell me a little bit about the small steps. What are some specific things that 
I mean, you've noticed or you do that help people to create more emotional empowerment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So some of the steps, it's really depending on the person. So because I'm a big believer that, you know, not everything works for everybody, even, you know, even though it's a good thing or a great tool or, you know, in the no matter which area we're talking about. Um, so the important thing is to find something that it's really working well for, for a person and depending also what feelings they're dealing with. Um, but to give you an example, for example, for someone that is uh, just a little all over the place because of, you know, certain challenge is kind of finding ways to be more present and to find ways to maybe relax more um, if they find themselves being very tense um, or, you know, kind of what they would say, maybe being stressed if they would define it that way um, and finding ways to kind of calm, uh, you know, find more calmness within themselves and that can be done in different way, honestly, because some people like, for example, to do some breathing exercises or breathing meditations. Some people like walking in nature. Some people, you know, would like maybe to listen to music, but not necessarily calming music, just what their, you know, their favorite music or doing some other activities that for some others may not be calming at all, but for, for this particular people or persons could be calming. So I think it's finding uh, kind of the way that works for, 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 you know, for, for somebody in a way that they can test it out and see if it actually works for them, or maybe try something different um, or fine tune something in a way that it's feasible uh, for one, but also, you know, beyond, you know, having a benefit of course, but also, feasible in a way that is, um, you know, something that people can do consistently because it's not worth, you know, trying to do something that it doesn't become very, you know, feasible in what, for whatever reason, and then you're not able to be consistent with it. And then obviously you won't see the benefit if it just happens occasionally. So, but I would say, you know, finding something to, to find the more calmness you know, more relaxation, uh, especially when, you know, challenges arise, you know, usually people start not being as relaxed. Um, you know, that's usually the first, you know, the first thing that shows up. And so I think that's a good place to start and finding ways that uh, work from them specifically. Um, so, and sometimes, you know, uh, we need to experiment, you know, and, and shift things around to make sure we find, you know, the, kind of the, the, the way that works best for us, you know, and things might change over time too. You know, one thing that worked in the past might now need to be shifted. So have you noticed that, um, is there a certain demographic of, or age group of people who are more receptive to this, or have you seen that a lot of people have really caught on to it? So that's actually a great question. So I think the people that have um, that are really open to this is the ones that are already looking for something um, that it's a little deeper work in the sense that they know that they maybe have tried out, you know, other different things, but there's still something that's lingering, and then they they didn't quite made the shift <laughs> you know they may have some help here and there maybe that's worked a little bit here and there 
but they feel like it hasn't really made a, a transformation. And so for those who are seeing the the need, you know, are seeking the need for like, you know, I really want to transform my life for the better and not just, you know, have a little glimpse of positivity here and there. Um, so those are the ones that um, usually are attracted to this kind of work. And they also are very open to uh, improving their emotional well-being because they they understand the uh, impact it has on their physical health too, but you know the impact it has on their overall quality of life, no matter which area. So they're already kind of a step ahead in the sense that they already know, they already have the awareness that this is an important topic as far as emotional well-being, even if they don't know about emotional empowerment specifically. But they know emotional well-being, it's really important. And they really want to make a major shift in the sense having something that's transformative and not just a coping skill, you know, or a managing skill, but something that it's helping them making those kind of, you know, changes how they're wired emotionally. So they're not getting back to those old habits or old patterns that are not serving them. So they want to kind of make those, have the ability to make those changes long-term. Why do you think that, I mean, barring what's happening right now, I mean, obviously there, I think when there's things that happening on a large scale, people tend to start, you know, looking inward and, you know, they have a lot of time, but even before this, there's a, a large amount of people starting to really look into emotional maturity spirituality and different things of that nature. Why do you think in the last several years, there's been a uh, much more of an awakening into these types of subjects? Well, I think because uh, it's becoming more and more um, known or, you know, people are becoming more aware that it's a crucial component. Um, you know, we are, you know, everything is interconnected. And so it's like, you cannot just do one thing in one area and neglect another area. So like, for example, just focusing, for example, just on your physical health and neglecting your, you know, emotional health or mental health or spiritual health. So they're all connected. So I think that, um, you know, a big component was, uh, probably not uh, giving the enough credit, <laughs> which the emotional well-being, right? Not giving enough credit. Um, and on the other hand, you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot more stress, a lot more chronic stress, a lot more anxiety, a lot of more, you know, there's a lot, uh, there is an increase in mental health issues too. And I think, you know, along that lines too, I mean, there is a reason why all these things are happening and statistics keep increasing also in that field, not just in some physical issues. And I think that's part of it too. So kind of connecting those dots and noticing, well, there is an increase in this, uh, you know, emotional, in the need of uh, taking care of the emotional well-being and also spirituality. Um, and at the same time is also, you know, noticing that, you know, emotional well-being has a huge impact on our, you know, on our quality of life and but also in our behaviors what's interesting i think too is um when i was in college in the 90s late 90s well mid to late 90s i remember learning about the wellness wheel and that wellness wheel included like social and emotional health 
But I felt like at that time, there was really no large widespread idea of how important emotional and social health was to our overall health. I mean, it's these are not new items is basically what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating. I think I had this guy, Ron Folia, on the other day, and he was talking about kind of how science and spirituality have started to connect and emotionals. And we're really starting to research the effect that e- emotional wellness has on our entire well-being. Whereas I feel like in the past, it was a very it was very much looked at as kind of woo-woo stuff, fringe-based ideas. Pamela comes to me in 1995 and goes, "You know, we need to talk about your emotional well-being that you may be laughed off from the scientific community as that's not a real thing, you know? Whereas yeah. now it's become a very real thing. And I think almost science has caught up to it and the things that many people know intuitively about themselves. Yes, exactly. And I think, you know, as, as you know, um, our, you know, society became overall more stressed, you know, there's more demands, more pressure, uh, more of a lot of things that are not really helping us, you know, if we are not able to really tend to our emotional well-being, right, then we can kind of get sucked into it. And just become kind of this, you know, uh, robots on autopilot and just just focus on just doing, doing, doing. But the actual being gets completely neg- neglected um, and we lose touch with ourselves and losing ourselves in the process, too. Um, we then, you know, we then will we'll also show up in our in our life then, too. I mean, we'll we'll notice the consequences when that happens. So what's the, we ha, you're right, we have become busier. Can you pinpoint in your mind or when this became really important to you where you've noticed, man, people are just more stressed. When was that time for you or that period where you really noticed that? Well, I don't think it can pinpoint like a time specifically, Um but I think overall, since I started to focus more on my own personal health and journey and also be more involved in that professionally, um, you know, going a little bit more in a broader spectrum, just, um, you know, s- sticking with my original background, which is psychology. So kind of, you know, expanding on that. I think that's where I became just more aware of this, not necessarily of the stress in itself, but the fact that it became that I felt like it was just more present. There was just more people affected by it in some ways, right? And so I think that's where uh, where I think my awareness w- has increased too. And um, and I think it's it's definitely gotten worse over time. So I I do notice that, but I think it was a little bit was already there. I just didn't uh, realize the magnitude of it until I was actually more professionally involved too, uh, in this, you know, in this field and, and, and just even be talking to people or, um, even just, you know, having conversations that are not, uh, with clients, but just people around and you see, you know, the, the common phrases that they're like, they're always busy. They don't have time for this or that. And usually no self-care and, and all of that. And it became almost like, you know, nine people out of 10 would say something like that. And so that's where I felt like, you know, there was definitely, you know, it 
does feel there is an increase because there's a lot of people that say the same things, you know, and, um, and some people make changes, you know, or try to do different things to make sure they feel better and they don't feel chronically stressed all the time. And some don't. So I think it's just being also um, aware of that, you know, not, not everybody uh, is ready or wants to make changes. So let me ask you something. How do you get your news? Because I know you want to stay informed with what's going on here in the world. There's so much going on on a regular basis. And it's something that's been a problem for me personally. And I've been searching and searching and searching. And finally, I found a news source that I think all of my listeners are going to love. It's called The Donut, or The Dose of News Useful Today. The founder and CEO, Peter Nowak, is a good friend of mine, and when he turned me on to it, I was just blown away. Finally, a daily news source that delivers succinct and factual news about all the world's occurrences, and it's an easy access to finding things that you just want to get information about. And it also serves up a lot of positive news stories that you won't hear anywhere else. It's your daily reminder that there is good in the world, even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes. So get the donut, stay informed. It's 100% free. You can unsubscribe anytime. Visit thedonut.co or text donut to 66866 to sign up today. That's a really good point. I think we often don't talk about the other side of the equation, you know, we often, or we pick sides. We say, well, no, this is working for everybody or this doesn't work, you know? Um, and kind of that, kind of this narrative of like, I'm doing self-care and this is going to work. This is, and, but there are people that it doesn't work for. They just don't have a desire to do anything at this point. And I think it's sometimes good to be able to point that out to people that like, yes, while this is good for you, there there is a realistic aspect that some people just don't want to make a change or they're not ready for that at point of their life, you know? Yes, yes. I think it's um it's it's something that I personally had to really learn to kind of accept too, because you know, even just even just when I was um working as a psychologist in my country, uh, you know. I, you know, there are certain things that you can, you know, you, you see, you, you see things could be better. Right. And then you're, you know, especially early on in, in a career or, you know, especially if you're in the service oriented care, you know, careers, you are so passionate in the sense that you just want to help everybody. And, and if somebody doesn't want to, it feels almost like, you know, you're like taking it, not really in a good way, <laughs> you know, you feel like, why not? Right. Why, why wouldn't you want to have a better life? Right. And I think for me, it's been also, you know, uh, a learning experience because the passion, you know, is still there, but it's also the ability to be able to let go um, and and just knowing that, you know, you can just plant seeds uh, or opening doors, but at the end of the day, everybody is responsible for their own, you know, well-being. And so... Um, and that, but that was for me a learning experience, something I needed to learn to let go and not become too, you know, too close to the situation in some ways where you see, you know, people suffering and, um, and you know, there is, there are solutions there, but nothing happens. Right. Did you think that what was the hardest part about it? Like you were thinking like, 
well, I can help this person. They're going to change. Or what was the mentality behind that? I think it's just the, really the missed opportunity, like almost at the time, you know, early on is like not really understanding why somebody would not improve their, wouldn't want to improve their life. Um, and it, and it, it was kind of almost like, how does, how is this even possible, right? When you specifically, you have an experience of improving your quality of life and you see it also in others, so it's like there is almost like this, you're asking yourself, why is this even happening? Why do they, you know, would somebody not see that, right? So I think that was kind of what was going on in my mind. Um, and and I think it's also part of this kind of helper nature that you really want to help. Um and then you, you know, you feel like, well, everybody wants a better life, right? <laughs> you know, you're coming kind of from that <laughs> assumptions, right? You from think, that assumption, yes. right? And I think yes. it's, I hear that very often when I, when I, you know, when I speak with others that have a similar background, you know, that, you know, at the beginning, we're, you know, we all kind of feel the same way. <laughs> and then eventually we do have to learn to let go and, and really make the, this big shift. It's like, you know we can we cannot change everybody in the sense you know we, we they need to want to change themselves we can just help them to get there or other you know other practitioners too uh, or whoever is you know related to in some shape or form with health and wellness but we can you know provide the guidance and but help them figure it out you know and getting their resources you know on the to the surface because everybody has really the resources within themselves. So, um, you know, as a coach specifically, my role is really to help them get those resources to the surface so they are able to actually see that. And it works only if they're wanting to make changes. So for those who don't want to or not ready, it's more about planting the seed um, that maybe even, you know, something that they get, but maybe it's not even the seed is even you know, almost like a step too far. Uh, so it really depends on the person, but it's important to be able to let go um, yeah. and just honoring, you know, it's their life and it's their responsibility. And, you know, there is, there is nothing you can do more than, than just being there eventually if they feel like, you know, they want to do, you know, they want to seek help or maybe, you know, find another resource since there's so much out there. You know, I think that sometimes I think young professionals or entrepreneurs or people in a business, they tend to have that attitude of like this kind of this, and it's great to have this excitement about, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to help every single person that I work with. They're going to achieve their goals. But I also think it's sometimes a very seasoned pro at something understands that, you know, it works both ways. And you may have this agenda and you want to do these things. You want to emotionally empower somebody. You want to get them environmentally more sound or occupationally better, but you can't just do the work yourself. There has to be another side that they have to want to be involved and committed in the same way. And I feel like emotional empowerment would be just the same way with that. Like you can be emotionally invested into helping somebody, but they have to be emotionally invested to doing the work that you're and the parameters that you're providing for them. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Because again, I'm not doing the work for them, right? And so it's it's really, yeah, they have to be invested uh, in. And I think it's, um, you know, the, the, the people, I mean, the clients I work with and, and work with are the, are the ones that um, are really open to that. So they, they are invested in themselves, like they really want to make this work. And so, you know, it's, they're very, um, you know, very um, committed to making the changes, you know, even though sometimes, you know, a lot of the, especially with emotional empowerment and a lot of the things only really make sense or start to make sense when you actually experience it. So it's less, you know, when I just explain it, it might be, okay, this is great, but you know, maybe you don't quite get it also, but it's like, it's not really sinking in and clicking until you are actually experiencing. And then you're like, oh, you know, not now the light bulb goes on. Right. And so, so it even requires more dedication because you have to trust the process uh, before you actually are experiencing it. So it's, uh, so yeah, so my clients are very, they're very trustworthy, <laughs> uh, because, uh, they, they are jumping into something without really seeing the benefits quite yet. Right. And it, it, and it has, you know, this is similar with other things too, other approaches or, you know, other areas of your life when you start making changes, not, you can not always anticipate, how things are for you until you experience it. But I think when it comes to emotional empowerment, it might be even more, more, you need more trust from your client in more, you know, in being really invested and committed uh, in wanting to make changes because then things are just, you know, very, very easy from, from a, you know, journey perspective in the sense that when they are fully invested, you know, Yes, things don't happen overnight, you know, like any new habit. But on the other hand, you know, things just happen quicker because they're very invested in 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 trying things out, in in you know, being dedicated in in doing things, you know, that they know they will see the results. So you mentioned that you um, doing psychology in your home country. Tell me a little bit about that. Where are you from? I never asked you about the accent and the whole thing. And I'd love to learn about where other people are from. I grew up all around the world in a military family. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe you've been there too, since I know you have been in a lot of different places. So I'm originally from the Italian speaking part of Switzerland. So very close to Italy. Um, I'm actually half German too. My mom is from Germany originally. So I grew up speaking both languages. And really? Yes, yes. And I spent actually most of my life, though, in Switzerland. So that's where I okay. spent most of the time. What was practicing psychology um, over there like? What was the environment? How do you contrast that with working with people here in the United States? So Switzerland is a very particular country. So I cannot even generalize because every language part is completely different. So, and I worked in both the Swiss German part and in the Italian speaking part. So two completely different things. Um, Not necessarily, like, it's not that psychology is totally differently, obviously, but, you know, the the way you're practicing is a little different, but also like, you know, the type of institutions. I was not practicing as a, you know, uh, entrepreneur. So I was, you know, working in a, in a, in a, you know, in a system or in a place where it, it was related with, 
um, you know, psychology or school psychology as well. So depending where I was, but it's like, um, it's, you know, there is so many different rules, different, you know, ways to do things because of the differences between the, the language parts. So that's, um, so that's already a difference right there within my, you know, within my own country, how, how you even do things, you know, for the same situation, it does change. And there, there's nothing, you know, one is bad or it's not like it's one is bad and one is good. It's good. It's just, they're both working as just two different approaches. Um, so it, it requires a lot of adjusting, you know, when you move from one place, you know, one area to the other, as far as language parts, um, and, uh, you know, be, beyond the actual work you're doing, but also, uh, so beyond the work you're actually doing, there is also the licensing, the licensing that does change as well. So there's a lot of, it's maybe a little bit like in the States, you have, you know, if you move States, then you have to do, and the same thing within my country, but the difference, my country is super small. So, so it does, right. it gets really easy to change area in just a few hours, right? Or just one hour or two yes. where you're in a different yes. language part. Then compared to here, I don't really have a comparison as far as psychology because I never practiced as a psychologist in this country. So I'm not very familiar. I know there's, are, you know, there are differences here too. Um, so for me here, like my experience here in the United States, it's really only coaching and uh, which is something I'm much more passionate about. Honestly, I always thought psychology, there was something that was missing for me. And I think when coaching came kind of my way, um, I just really was, was able to kind of fill in those missing pieces. And um, I've, I find it much more rewarding and much more, um, just much more fun, honestly, than psychology uh, for me personally, the way I have experienced it in the past. I mean, it was not bad. It was good, but, you know, it was not great. <laughs> so I think yeah. now I can say for me, this coaching experience is definitely, I can say it's really great. What was the missing part? You know, if you, if you, I mean, if you know, like being specific that you felt was the, the difference between the coaching and, you know, performing psychological services. Yes. So, and I think it might be similar with other industries. You know, when you, when you study something, it feels like to me, it felt a little, um, unilateral. I don't know if that's the right word in English, but it's like, you're saying, yeah, yeah, it feels like, you know, you're just focusing on one thing and, you know, for, I mean, just, bring an example like you know the psychology you, you psychologists you don't learn anything about nutrition um i don't know if this has changed in the meantime but i honestly don't think so but um it could have so <laughs> i don't know but <laughs> you're like i'm gonna cover my bases here. yes i wasn't it definitely didn't happen in the past and i think it's it's a crucial for emotional well-being also you know how, or how what we're eating you know what we're putting in our bodies and so you know those that was one of the things, for example, that, you know, was always missing for me that we were just looking at this one area, which is, you know, it's not bad, but it's like, you know, to really help somebody, I feel like we have to look at more things. Um, and also like, a, you know, um, kind of have a more multifaceted approach. Um, and um, so because there's so many things that are connected. So I think just having this broader more holistic approach is that what I was kind of missing um like when I was still 
you know, practicing as a psychologist. I think that's common, <clears throat> like here, especially in America, where a lot of our professions, <clears throat> excuse me, especially like a physician specializes in one area of, of health. And they tend to have very, very little hours of anything else in their curriculum. And so they may have a tremendous amount of expertise, let's say, in gastroenterology or neurology, things of that nature, but extremely little um, education in uh, mental health or psychological health, uh, exercise science, nutrition. So it makes it, well, let me back up. So what makes that hard is that a lot of people trust that person, that, tr that physician, and they say, you know, this is somebody, if they tell me something, I'm going to listen to it. And, but they may not have a lot of answers for you, actually, on the, who you are as a whole. They may tell you some very generalized things, but they're not going to have a tremendous amount of knowledge in, in areas that, frankly, are probably very important. And I know are very important to their well-being. And this person is their trusted source for what they should do in a lot of sense. I mean, that's changing today a little more, but in, in general, in the past... It's things like that, this, the lack of a diverse educational pathway for people in certain positions, is, it hurts them. You know? Yes, yes. And I think, uh, you know, what happens then is that you get so busy that you don't really have time to broaden all your knowledge. You maybe just have to do, it's kind of sticking in your area of expertise and, you know, getting continued education around that. But it's, it's just then almost impossible to add something else. Um, and so that's, you know, and, and some people sold, I mean, I know, I know also physicians that are, you know, going overboard and, and learning all these other tools and things and, you know, more mindfulness, more, you know, nutrition and emotional well-being and all of that. But it requires a lot of time and, um, you know, and if they are very passionate, if they carve time in already their busy, super busy schedule to do so. Uh, but, you know, luckily we do have um, not only, you know, physicians, but other practitioners that are opening up and, and getting educated in all those different things because they, they, they know that uh, that's, you know, that's needed. You know, this knowledge is needed. You know, we were talking a little bit about this on a, a previous, uh, our first go at the recording about being on podcasts and you just started April, right? around there? Yes, yes. And well, so what was the kind of impetus or reason for wanting to start talking on or, you know, getting on podcasts to talk about this stuff? Yeah, I think it was a combination of two things. One, um, it's, I started appreciating and, and kind of be very um, uh, open to podcasts in the sense as listener, you know, I think it's a great tool in general to um, learn about so many different things, uh, learn you know about many different people in a very uh, easy way in some way. And in the sense, it's, it's something, you know, when you can listen to somebody, you can do it, you know, in, in doing so many different things, you know, while driving. I mean, there's so many opportunities, so there's more chances for us to do so. And I thought it would be because I, I, 
noticed that there's so many more topics and so many more hosts that are focusing on things that I'm interested in. Um, personally, I thought, you know, uh, it would be a good thing to uh, explore this opportunity to be a guest on podcast. Uh, first of all, because I also, you know, enjoy speaking and connecting with people and learning to to learning about other people and their journey as well. Um, but also, I was fortunate to have also somebody that has helped me um, craft some of the things that I have, uh, you know, on social media and on my website, and uh, just kind of helping me. He, uh, in general, with with some messaging and things like that, he also uh, gave me, you know, a few nudges. And he uh, kind of early this year said, "You you have to go, <laughs> you have to <laughs> get out there, <laughs> and uh, you know, podcast would be great for you." So it kind of, you know, was a mix of interest, in my personal interest in podcasts in general. And, you know, having the opportunity and also connecting with others. And at the same time, also this person, um, you know, just uh, sharing that, you know, he thought it was a great, great way to um, make that happen, you know, and share your story. It's awesome. I mean, uh, clearly, I'm I'm very partial to podcasts. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I've produced a tremendous amount of episodes and, you know, I've been on quite a few podcasts and I think it's just a great way to get your message out and a way for people to know you on a more personal level. Like I always feel like, you know, when you write a post or something like that online, I mean, you're getting a very, very tiny snapshot of the person and you're relying on getting many, many posts to maybe gather um, kind of a collection of what you think this person's like and how they feel about things, but you're really not getting the whole thing. Whereas if I spend 40 minutes up to two hours, whatever it is with somebody, and we're talking, I, I'm getting a much better better idea of who that person is in that, in that time that we're spending that I could ever get in like 10, 20, 30, 40 posts from the person and a written deal from them. And so it's really gold in the sense that it's, you're really taking time to get to listen to somebody and how they talk and their voice and the things they care about. And I always tell people on the show, like, this is your greatest marketing tool. You know, you get the download and, you know, you get the links for this, share it out. I always tell people like, they want to learn about me. Just listen to me on my podcast. You'll learn all about how I feel about things. You'll hear my laugh. You'll see how I ask questions. You'll learn so much more about me than you would if you just got a post from me or a text, you know? Yes, you're so right. Absolutely. I totally agree. And, um, you know, and I think it's also an opportunity, um, you know, to really, and you showcase yourself in so many different ways in the sense, you know, because each time you're on a podcast, you know, you, you're going to share something slightly different. It's not going to be the exact right, same right. thing. So, you know, it's, that's the beauty about it to the variety. And then, you know, uh, you know, people can hear you also, you know, in different circumstances, you know, talking about, you know, a variety of things. And I think that's kind of, you know, that's really the beauty about it. I, I definitely um, appreciate the, you know, the opportunity um, I had and I, I will have in the future and also being on your podcast specifically as well, because um, I think it's a great way to, you know, have a conversation too. I mean, it's uh, about things that are important and, um, 
and I always, you know, feel like that no matter what is being said, there is always people that can re- can uh, in the audience that will resonate with some of it, or you know, or maybe all of it, or parts of it. But it's it's a way um, often also to inspire, you know, a bigger bigger crowd that you know may not be inspired by maybe a post, or they may not even know you are even existing. <laughs> If it wouldn't be for the podcast, right? I think it's just um, a beautiful way to spread, uh, you know, positive messages and positive energy into the world. Um, and I think there is a lot of, you know, a lot of good stuff out there in, in the podcast world. I think so too, for sure. Well, Pamela, I've, I've learned a lot. I, uh, I just like having conversations with people. And it's nice just any time of the day that, or chance I get to speak with somebody like yourself. You seem very nice, very kind, very caring. And that alone is always worth it to me. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. And thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. You got it. I will be in touch with you soon. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.